From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome to episode 158 of the Anxiety Project podcast. I am Brad Robinson. I am so grateful that I'm here with you today to talk about anxiety, to talk about recovery, because as you know, this is a recovery channel. And I believe that, and I've seen it done, you can overcome anxiety naturally without medications, without being dependent on many external things and bringing about that true power from within yourself. In this episode today, I want to talk about my journey from being that dependent guy, scared, anxious self to empowering. Like I came from a place where I was set in my ways and I truly, truly believed that I could never get better, that my life couldn't get better. It wasn't in the cards for me. And the fact that I can sit here now and acknowledge that, it's overwhelming to me. I can't believe I've come that far. I've come so far from that older self, the one who never thought change was possible. But before I talk about that, I want to go over your comments on last week's episode, starting with Tammy. She says, dealing with health anxiety myself only got worse the more you avoid what you fear. You don't know how strong you are until you face what you fear the most. So when I place myself in situations that bring about fear, I can feel my bravery coming back. Thank you for not only making your podcast informative, but also entertaining. Tammy, it looks like you're figuring it out. Uh, And that's how you figure it out is by experience. It's one thing to listen to the podcast and watch the videos, but it's another to actually implement the techniques because exposure therapy works. It's what's necessary. Great work, Tammy. Thank you for the comment. Douglas M says, depersonalization only continued the more I obsessed over it. Like you said before, obsessing is a sign of anxiety, and that's only going to keep the depersonalization present. What do you suggest I do to lessen this depersonalization? Looks like you're already figuring it out, Douglas. Um, in a short answer, I say, stop caring about it. Stop caring about it. Because you said in your comment, the more you obsessed over it, the more it continued. So stop caring. Stop Googling the symptoms. Stop searching depersonalization on YouTube. Stop the coping strategies. Just stop caring about it. And I recommend that you listen to episode 156 where I talked about depersonalization. 
quite a bit in that episode, actually the whole episode. All right, let's move on to Melissa. Melissa leaves a comment on the YouTube version of the podcast saying, I am new to your channel and it's becoming my favorite about anxiety. Please, could you make a video about excessive sweating due to anxiety and how to understand it and cure it? Sending gratitude and love from Belgrade, Serbia. Thank you, Melissa. Um, and yes, that's a great suggestion. I will cover that at some point. Uh, well, sweating is a big symptom of anxiety. And well, when your fear response is active, your adrenaline and cortisol is high. And well, when you're in a stressful situation, what happens? You perspirate, right? It's natural. It's a natural bodily response. And sort of to what Douglas was asking, how do you lessen the depersonalization? Well, the same thing with sweating. Stop caring about it. Who cares if people see me sweating? It's natural response, right? It's your emotional attachment to the, the thing that's making it continue to survive. You're adding fuel to it. So how can you lessen the fuel that you're adding? Well, simply put, quick answer, stop caring about it. Let it go. All right, now let's get into this episode. I want to talk about my past and I want to compare that personality to the man I am now speaking to you guys, the coach, the mentor that I am. Well, I came from a dark, dark place in my life. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, I had a set mindset that this is what life is and this is how it's always going to be. So I want to talk about the time from ending my internship like after college and then until I took on the responsibility of my recovery. So in that time, so when I, at the end of college, I was in a relationship, a toxic relationship. I want to talk about the ending of that relationship and then the transition from that to Pleasure Island. And during this Pleasure Island phase, I was avoiding any real responsibility. I was avoiding work and I was spending my time with toxic friends and doing many toxic behaviors, which I will get into. And I want to talk about how I ended up with an anxiety disorder. What happened? What was the pattern that led me to severe anxiety? Because I swept so many things under the rug. I, well, unresolved emotional baggage was still lurking under the rug, which is my unconscious mind, right? You see that with a lot of people nowadays who are overly stressed. Their life has gotten beyond them. And so they're very sensitive to any sort of novelty. And that's what happened with me. Any Anything that was new, anything that disrupted my pattern, I met with anger, frustration, confusion, and then more anxiety. So let me take you back 
a little further to when I was 10 years old. I had my first panic attack. Now, I didn't know what was happening, obviously, because, you know, I reacted to my symptoms, as you may relate to, with some confusion. Like, it, with that confusion comes, this is a threat to my life. And then I ran out of the basement because I was watching a movie with my parents, and I sat at the top of the stairs, hyperventilating, afraid I was going to pass out, have a heart attack, die, like I had no control, right? It was the losing of that control that drove me into the severe panic. And then my parents didn't know what I was experiencing, but they did to some degree because I remember them saying, you're overly excited about the movie. And they're not wrong, right? The movie was intense. And it brought about stress symptoms and those stress symptoms were misinterpreted by myself. So that was my first panic attack. Now, then the panic came back later in my life when I was older and in that toxic relationship with my ex-partner. We were at the mall and there was a concert happening at the mall and I started to feel my symptoms arise and then it brought back the same emotions that I had when I was 10 and then I ran up to the exit of the mall and I phoned my parents while I was sitting on the ground, confused and bewildered. And my ex was there and I think a couple of my friends were there. It's hard to recall because I was in anxiety mode. So nothing else matters. You know, everything becomes blurry when you're in anxiety mode and you're unconscious, right? Not physically, but unconscious, meaning you don't have much awareness of your surroundings. You're more internal. And so I didn't know what to do, right, at the time, because I remember at that time of that panic attack, my life was getting beyond me. I was in a toxic relationship, and I didn't know what to do about it. I felt stuck, and being with a set mindset, I thought, well, if I, well, leaving this relationship isn't going to happen because what am I going to do outside this relationship? This relationship is keeping me occupied. It's providing me with some sort of fulfillment, even though the drama is horrible, right? In a toxic relationship, the drama is fulfilling some sort of thing in my life. It's adding value in my life, right? Because drama is novelty and well, my life was pretty mundane right? And that novelty, we all need novelty in our life, but it was unhealthy, unhealthy novelty. That drama was only facilitating more novelty, but expanding my anxiety at the same time. And I remember at this time in my life, my mom told me, Brad, you need to slow down. And I was always rushing around, trying to get somewhere, trying to please other people rather than pleasing myself. And that's another thing I want to touch on with my ex-partner. I was trying to please her and I was neglecting myself. I thought I was a good guy in that relationship because I was putting her first continuously, but 
at the same time, I was neglecting my own mental health, my own physical health. And thus, I was losing a lot of self-respect for myself because of how, I want to say slave-like behavior. I was, but it was more like, I was very naive. And I felt weak being a people pleaser. That's what it came down to. I felt weak about that. Then a year later, I was asked from the TV station I was interning at. So you may or may not know, I was in film and broadcasting and I was interning at a TV station here in Toronto at the time. And they asked me to be a camera assistant at this New Year's Eve festival in Niagara Falls. And I was like, yes, that'd be, that would be great. What a great opportunity. I was excited. And I had a panic attack when I showed up at the hotel room they set me up in. I had a panic attack. I was anxious about being away from my safe zone, doing something by myself, away from my parents who were the guardians of, I guess you can say, my anxiety because I was dependent on them for that reassurance. But then I was also away from my ex-partner. And why I was anxious about that was because our relationship, it was rocky. I had no trust in her. And mainly that's because I had no trust in myself. Now, I got through that panic episode mainly because when I was working, it distracted me from my anxiety and because I didn't leave, well, I felt like I couldn't leave, right? Because I was in Niagara Falls working on a production. And so I stayed and my anxiety lessened quite rapidly after that. And then after that time, the moment I reached rock bottom was when I started to date Maggie. And this was years later. I was in a toxic relationship for four years. That ended and then... I was on Pleasure Island for a year after that. And then I found Maggie and we met. And that relationship started off rocky because I was on Pleasure Island and I was dating her. And I felt that she was not like any other woman I dated in the past. I was so used to drama and she was different. Her values were different. Personality was different. And being the guy that I was, her personality repelled a part of me because I was looking for an easy hookup. She wasn't like that. And being on Pleasure Island at the time, I had no morals. I was impulsive, a people pleaser. 
sensitive and anxious about my future. I didn't know what that looked like. I was just in the moment, right? In the moment. And I felt ashamed about who I was. I was insecure, weak, and overwhelmingly sensitive to any sort of change. The thought of going into work, or if my dad would say, you know, Brad, you should apply for this job, it would bring about anger instantly. It's like, I don't want to do that. I felt ashamed about who I was. I was insecure, weak, and overwhelmingly sensitive to any change. The thought of going into work, it spiked my anxiety. And I felt lost. I felt completely lost. Now, at the time, working as a junior editor, I was going to bed at 2 a.m. I slept in till 10. I ate crap for breakfast. I was addicted to coffee three times a day, double-double coffees. Um, I was addicted to porn. I would see my toxic friend and then we would just spend the day doing nothing at the mall, smoking weed and going to the movies. And then I would go to work as the editor. But then when I was at work, I felt lonely. I felt anxious and unfulfilled. And I was unhappy because I continued to think thoughts like, There has to be more than this. Life could be better if I was living somewhere tropical or if I was backpacking in Europe. So those thoughts dominated my day-to-day. At the time, I didn't have the courage, the confidence to do those things, to go backpacking, to travel. So I went into work every day dreading work at the same time wishing I was somewhere else this is unfulfilling and in the movie Groundhog Day you see that laid out brilliantly Bill Murray's character Phil you see him not wanting to be in Punxsutawney doing this news report he wants to be somewhere else he wants to be somewhere I think it's Florida he wanted to go to and he gets trapped there And how he finds meaning is through what you can do right now, today. That's important. Not this far off idea that somewhere else is better. What can you work on today? And if you want to listen to this episode, I break down Groundhog Day in detail in a three-part hour each episode series, starting from episode 118, I recommend you check that out because it shows you how you can add meaning and purpose into your life now with your current job, with your current family, where you are. What can you do to get out of the hole? And that movie is absolutely brilliant at portraying that process. It's only when you change your internal world, your external world changes. You shift your perspective when you change your internal world. Like Eckhart Tolle says, gratitude is the foundation for all abundance. Many people 
We don't have any gratitude for the little things. We're not aware of that. So cultivating gratitude is part of the journey to change your internal world. And my channel is all about the process to changing your internal world. When I started to change and take on the responsibility over my anxiety, it's when it's because I was willing to take this on that I started to reach outside of my set mindset. Could things actually get better? Is this possible? I then started to sacrifice behaviors that I knew to be wrong. I was separating myself from my old anxious me, recognizing, oh, that's the pattern of the old Brad. What can I replace these habits with? I want to do the opposite because, well, that Brad, he was doing it all wrong. Everything was chaos. What did that Brad avoid before so I can do the opposite? Hanging around a toxic friend turned into watching my mentors at the coffee shop, reading self-help books. So now, what are the differences between that old Brad and the Brad talking to you today? First of all, I have a routine, a discipline. Through discipline comes mental hardening, strength. You don't know what you're capable of until you step outside your comfort zone. And that could be quitting caffeine, something like that. Or getting up at 5.30 each and every day. When you get up, what happens? Oh, I don't want to get up. Oh, five more minutes. But discipline of getting out of bed hardens the mind. No matter what suffering you're experiencing, you can get past it. Just bear it. Accept it. Push through it. You don't know how much you can do until you experience the suffering. Have structure. The difference now is I have structure, I have a schedule, I have the same sleep and wake time, I have a, a weekly planner that I plan out what I'm doing during the week, and it's not always going to go accordingly, but you need some sort of structure, a schedule, because the unconscious mind wants to automate you as much as possible. So might as well work with your unconscious mind. The more structure, the more order, the less chaos. Now, I know that the answers that I need to find lurk in the places I least want to look. That's my attitude now. Before, I would avoid everything. Like I said before, I have more trust in my body. I trust that I can heal myself. I trust that I can get through this tough time because I've proven to myself in the past that I can get through tough times. I 
I feel lighter than I used to. I burned off old baggage. I sacrificed behaviors that made me feel weak. I resolved and reframed past traumas that no longer weigh me down and keep me stuck in the past. I'm more present in my relationship with Maggie because I practice mindfulness through meditation every day. I can be present and feel great gratitude because of the fact that I came from a dark place and that I have this meaningful relationship now. But this relationship with Maggie wouldn't have been meaningful if I didn't work on my higher self. I had to work on my internal world, heal myself so I can be present and be a rock, a foundation for her to lean on when she needs me the most. Nowadays, I have more awareness over how I feel because I spend a lot of quality time with myself, not in front of Netflix, not running around like with my head cut off like I used to, having that time with myself. That meditation time, that walk in nature, reading at the coffee shop, that mindfulness practice, just staring out the window. I feel comfortable being in my own skin. And that also helps with the trust in your own body. I'm more goal-oriented. I was a quitter before. I couldn't stick to anything. And now I have something to strive for. The Anxiety Project. Talking to you. Talking about the hell that I used to be in. And how I got out of it. What I did. The techniques I learned from studying NLP through CBT from studying all of these self-help books. And I get to pass on this knowledge to you because of the fact that I overcame this huge obstacle. I feel so much meaning in helping my clients, helping you creating these videos because I believe that no matter where you are, change is possible. I thought I could never get out of anxiety. And that's where I'm going to leave you on today's podcast episode. Thank you so much for being here, being a listener, asking your questions, leaving your comments. Please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. I would greatly appreciate it because I want this podcast to reach thousands of people. Thousands of people who are suffering. And I think and from what I see now, it's only getting worse. Do not let anxiety define who you are. I will see you on the next podcast episode. Bye for now. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is now available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project Program is downloadable 
and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.